Today we're going to be reminding ourselves that we're not going to be here forever. That the end will come. And so we have two questions that we are confronted with today. How much time do we have left? Another question to ponder is, how should we spend the rest of our time here on earth? We're going to look at a passage in 1 Peter, where Peter reminds us, or he tells us exactly how we are to answer those questions by reminding us that the approaching end of the world is a good reason for all of us to be sober, to be alert, and to be prayerful. He challenges believers in his day as well as us living today to have some what we might call advent attitudes that characterize those who live as children of the dawn or children of the daybreak. Now for some clarity, you may be wondering, what in the world is an advent attitude? Well, if you break that word down, advent really means the arrival of arrival that has been expected, especially something momentous. Uh, when we were all waiting for the computer, they were all talking about the advent of the computers. And so that's what advent really means. And then we know what attitude means, right? Because we all have attitudes, right? The multifaceted mental state involving beliefs, feelings, values, and moods to act in certain ways. And so then an Advent attitude is, is the expected multifaceted mental state to act in a certain way. And that's what we are called to do today as we look toward the end of the days that is rapidly approaching. First Peter chapter 4, reading at verses 4 through 11. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest, disciplined in your prayers, and most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So one of the first things we want to challenge us with as we look at the urgent essentials of the last days, and they're urgent because we need, to be, we need to be doing them right now. We don't know when the Lord is coming, do we? Could be today before this service is ended. And so these are urgent essentials that as believers we need to be exercising in our daily lives. And first of all, Peter says, we need to be aware of the times. Be aware of the times. He says, and uh, Chapter, verse 7a, the end of the world is coming soon. Do you believe that? When we look at all that's going on in the world today, we scratch our heads and when we wonder, what's next? 
And before we finish thinking that thought, something else happens. This is a very sobering statement because it means that the destruction of the heavens and the earth is close. It's really close. And so being aware of the times means living as Advent or dawn watches. The end is closer than we think. Not only for the judgment of persecutors and, and slanderers in the world, but it's the end of persecution and suffering. And we know that persecution and suffering, especially for the child of God, is at an all-time high today in our world, more than at any other time in Christendom. But it's all be the, it'll also be the end of the great battle with sin. We all struggle with sin. As long as we are in this body and in this flesh, we're going to be battling with sin. And so the challenge is that the end, it'll be the end of sin. It'll be the end of our earthly probation. And as a result, we must all prepare to meet the triune God. But also in reading this epistle through, we realize that it is evident that there is something that we need to be mindful of at all times. We see the word suffer. And that word suffer occurs some 15 times in this epistle, making it the key word in this epistle that Peter writes. The entire epistle is based on two things that believers need to be doing. And that is knowing how to suffer and knowing how not to suffer. When you read the epistles of Peter, you'll find that those are the two things that stand out. Peter tells us specifically how we are to do, what we are to do in terms of suffering and what we are to do to avoid suffering. While suffering is part and parcel of the Christian pilgrimage, there are times when we can avoid it. And so one of the things that suffering does for the believer is keeps us focused on eternity. It's when we're going through tough times, really tough times, and difficult days, and periods of suffering, and pressures, and persecution, that we long for heaven more, don't we? Isn't that the time we wish that God would just come and take us? When the suffering is so much, it's the Lord, how much more can I take? Lord, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Please come, 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 Lord Jesus. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And so, when the good times come, the nice things and the easier days have a tendency to, to shift our focus away from eternity. We don't think about eternity when things are going well, when everything is going fine, when our body aches, when our heart breaks, and our wallet is empty. That's the time when we get into saying, you know, I don't really fit in here. I really want to go home. Like those persons who go and they, they travel, they go on vacation, and when all the money is spent, even though the time is not gone, they want to go home. There's no more money to spend. And so that's how we are as we go through this world. We, we crave for heaven when things don't go the way we really desire them to go. And so one of the urgent essentials of the last days is that we must be aware of the times. Yeah, the brother who always used to say to me, boy, you got to know what time it is. And so we are to be able to know what time it is. Be aware of the times that we are living in. The end is coming soon. But secondly, we also need to be seriously and watchfully prayerful. Seriously and watchfully 
prayerful. Therefore, he says in verse 7b, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. See, many Christians who believe that Jesus is coming soon based on all of the prophecy charts and the political events fail to apply this belief in the right way. We look at all that's going on in the world today and rather than talk about spending more time in prayer, we get upset and we get uptight and we get confused. We fail to apply ourselves to be more diligent in prayer. But what ought to be happening is that the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more believers ought to spend on their knees in prayer. He says, therefore, be serious in your prayers, not playing around. We must give ourselves to serious prayer, Peter says. As we see the weight of eternity rushing toward us, we dare not take prayer lightly. We complain about all the bad things that are happening in the world, but what are we doing about it? Are we praying? He says, therefore, be watchful in your prayers. Not only he says be serious, but he says be watchful as well. What does that mean? He says we must give ourselves to watchful prayer. Primarily having our hearts and minds watching and ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it also means watching ourselves. Watching how we live. You remember when, when, when we were children and we misbehaved and, and the parents saw us or an adult saw us, they would look at you and say, boy, watch yourself. Well, that's what we ought to be doing. We ought to be watching ourselves in these times that we are living in. We also ought to be watching the world and see what's going on in the world that gives us signals and indications that the drawing of the end of time is near. We are seeing some things today in our world that we haven't seen before. All of these terrorist attacks. Have we ever seen things like that before? They're all new. But we also be, it means measuring our readiness for Jesus' return. How ready are we for the return of Christ? If Jesus were to come today, would he find you doing some things that you should not be doing? And so it means watching ourselves, watching this world, and measuring our readiness for the return of Christ. Now, Peter wrote this during a time of persecution among believers. And it means that, what he means here is that believers ought to be in prayer consistently. Because prayer does a couple of things. It frees us from the distractions of panic. And that's what we ought to be free from. When we see all that's going on in the world today, it's easy to, be, it's easy to, to panic. Free from the emotional instability brought on by stress. Many people are stressed in our world today. They're stressed in the homes, stressed on their jobs, stressed driving on the streets because of bad drivers. There's a whole lot of stress going on in our world today. And so Peter says when we focus ourselves on prayer, it will free us from the emotional instability that is brought on by stress. But he also reminds us here that fellowship with God should be untouched by the conflicting circumstances that's going on in the world around us. We ought not get caught up in the flow, as it were. And so Peter reminds us today to be earnest, to be sober. It means be self-constrained, be calm, and to be thoughtful. 
Don't get bent out of shape. And so another one of the urgent essentials of the last days is that we be seriously and watchfully prayerful. But another one is be deeply loving. Verse 8. He says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Now, these are the last days. How much more important it is to love those who, are, who we're going to spend eternity with. You know, it amazes me sometimes how believers can't seem to get along here on earth and they expect to get along when they get to heaven. How is that going to work? There are believers who don't even want to be with other believers here on earth without realizing that we're all going to spend eternity one day with the Lord Jesus Christ. How is that going to work? And so Peter calls us to have not only just love, but as we look at the last days and the approaching times, he says this love ought to be deep. This love has got to be deep. And so he says we must have deep love for one another. Much attention should be given to fellowship with other believers along with an expression of deep love for all members of the household of faith, the incredible body of Christ. Such a deep love will not be, will not, will not, will not do some things that are happening today. If this love that we have is deep love, it won't publicize the faults and failings of other, believers, of other believers as juicy gossip. That's one of the things that deep love doesn't do. When you hear something bad about another believer or a sin that they have fallen into, some believers can't wait to pick up the phone and say, child, let me tell you what I heard by so-and-so today. Deep love doesn't do that. Deep love will do the opposite. It will protect that believer from public view. Someone once said, and I quote, hatred makes the worst of everything. Love is entitled to bury things out of sight. Now, I don't know who wrote that, but that made a lot of sense. And then Bible commentator Grudem said this, and it's primarily in reference to the portion of the verse that says love covers a multitude of sins. Notice what he says. He says, where love abounds in a fellowship of Christians, many small offenses and even some large ones are readily overlooked and forgotten. But where love is lacking, every word is viewed with suspicion. Every action is liable to misunderstanding and conflicts about to Satan's perverse delight, end of quote. How true. But notice the statement goes on, he says, love covers a multitude of sins. And this is, a, this is actually a quote of Proverbs 10 too. It's not a, one of the things that is not, is not a doctrinal explanation of how sins are removed. That's not what it is. Because only the blood of Jesus Christ can remove the guilt and penalty of sins. This statement is also not to be used to tolerate sin or to dismiss any local church from carrying out its responsibility to discipline wrongdoers. The statement simply means that genuine love, real love, provides the ability or the capacity 
to overlook the minor faults and failures of other believers. In other words, to not be judgmental. Judge not that you be not judged. That's basically what it means. But I want you to, to watch this video and listen to the words of how this deep love is really fleshed out in our lives. Watch and listen. Every day, my word. 
please show me how to love. And so this deep love ought to be one of those urgent essentials of the last days that we endeavor to practice as those who exhibit Advent attitudes in our world today. But we also are challenged to be cheerfully hospitable. Cheerfully hospitable. Verse 9. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. So you see, the demonstration of this deep love that Peter talks about for the brethren is practicing hospitality in an ungrudging way. Hospitality is a great privilege, according to what the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2. The writer writes, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. You know, I was in ministry with a brother named Alfred Mallory some years ago. And one of the things that I admired him for was hospitality. He was always taking somebody home to give him a meal. And uh, his wife was always had to be uh, prepared. And even if she wasn't prepared, he could cook. If he met somebody on the street and he wanted to reach them for the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't just share the gospel with them. He took them home. And if he didn't have any, he knew his wife was at home or there was another, he would stop to the grocery store on the way, pick up something, go home and cook it and feed them. That's what Peter is talking about here. That's the kind of hospitality and the deep love that he's talking about here. Jesus himself said, any act of kindness to what any child of God is considered Good and will be honored. Notice what he says in Matthew chapter 25, chapter 10, and verse 42. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Something as insignificant as a cup of cold water. And we have heard, and many of us have experienced. The blessings that we have received from the Lord as a result of showing hospitality to some particular individual at some point in our pilgrimage on this earth. And so this counsel was particularly needed during times of persecution uh, when Peter wrote this. Because believers were being persecuted, they were being outcast. And so many of the basic necessities of life were taken away from them. And so this particular advice was, was extremely important during the time that Peter was living. But we see that time coming in our lives as well. And so we are challenged to be cheerfully hospitable. Jesus also taught that we should show hospitality to those who cannot repay us in return. Luke chapter 14, verse 12. Then he turned to the host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Now, there's no suggestion here that we should not entertain relatives and friends and neighbors who could possibly return the favor. Our purpose for showing kindness should be in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not with the thoughtful expectation of being repaid. 
Sometimes people only do things because they know what's going to come in return because of what they do. And so this is another one of those urgent necessities that we need to practice in our lives for these last days. Being cheerfully hospitable. But then he also says that there's another one. Be responsible in your stewardship. Verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Again, deep love will show itself as we give to the church family what God has given us as gifts. The gifts that we have, each and every single believer has a spiritual gift. I've received a gift from God, a special role to perform as a member of the incredible body of Christ. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, he says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouragement, is, is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you, the lead, given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Because these gifts are spiritual stewardship from God, they are to be used primarily for God's glory, for the benefit of other believers, and not for selfish praise or gain. You see, it's never, it was never God's intention that believers be a storage terminal for God's gifts to us. And while his gifts reaches us, they should not end with us. Sad to say that is the case in the lives of many believers today. God intended for believers to be channels. Channels of blessing. Channels only. As the hymn writer says, Mary Maxwell in the 20th century wrote a hymn called Channels Only. Listen to the words of the, of the chorus. It says, channels only, blessed master, but with all thy wondrous power, Flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. And one of the verses says, Emptied that thou should fill me, a clean vessel in thy hand, with no power but thou, what thou givest, graciously with each command. And so we are called to be channels. We are good stewards, Peter says, of the manifold grace of God. The grace of God referred to here as the undeserved favor that God has offered to mankind. The thought of how close the end is should not only lead to excitement and neglect of common duties. It should cause us not to be slack in our responsibilities, but to be responsible in our stewardship. And so an urgent responsibility of the last days is being responsible in our stewardship. And finally, be active in doing. We talk a lot about doing, but are we active in doing? Peter says in verse 11, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself is speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God. 
through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So Peter's made it clear, very clear, that all believers are gifted for the purpose of serving. What he is saying here in verse 11 is simply just do it. Just do it. Stop talking about it. Just do it. You see, even the most gifted preacher or teacher must be certain that the words he speaks are the very words God wants him to say on that particular occasion. And I can tell you, when Pastor Elliot called me and asked me if I could speak today, I said, you know, Pastor, I ain't no 8 o'clock person. This is, by the way, this is my first time to the 8 a.m. service. I said, I said Pastor, you know, I, I got to pray about that. And so as I prayed and as I prepared, I went through the beginning preparation for two other messages before I got to this one. Because the first two was not what God wanted his people to hear for, that particular, for this particular occasion. And when I finally got to 1 Peter, I realized that, Lord, this is the message. And I called Pastor Elliot back and said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And so this is what Peter meant. Peter says that God, when he, when he uses the phrase oracles of God, he wants us to be, understand that it's not enough to just simply preach from the Bible. There should also be the assurance that the specific message being presented is what God intended for that congregation to hear at that time. Anyone who does any kind of service for God should do it with the humble recognition that they are fully empowered by God. Only then will the glory go where it is truly intended and deserved. And that is to God and God alone. And so regardless of how highly gifted a believer is, in Christian service there should be no room for pride. Personal effort had no part in how the gift originated and nothing could be done to receive the gift. And so another urgent essential for the last days is being active in doing. And so in an age where everyone is determined to do their own thing and to have their own rights, as we hear all over the world today and all over the media, some believers who are conscious of their gifts think that they have the right to use their gifts whenever and however they feel like. According to what Peter is telling us in this text, that's not so. But then there were some other believers who were timid and feel that they had no gifts at all. Peter is addressing both groups of people in our text today. All of the abilities God has gifted believers with should be used to faithfully serve members of the incredible body of Christ. And none are to be embraced for selfish or exclusive gratification. So here's a principle, an application principle we can take with us today. Since every believer is gifted with some ability, find yours and use it. But if while you're trying to find that gift or discover that gift or gifts, you see something that needs to be done in the church, try and meet that need. Plain and simple. So as God's precious saints with Advent attitudes, let's all be conscious of the urgent essentials of these last days. They're urgent because we're going to be held accountable for these times that we're living in. Let's be 
conscious of these essentials of the last days, by being aware of the times, by being seriously and watchfully prayerful, by being deeply loving, being cheerfully hospitable, being responsible in stewardship, and being active in doing. May the Lord bless and challenge our hearts today as we endeavor to do his bidding, to do as he has said. Amen?